Hello and welcome to Walks of Life, where we welcome people from around the world, all walks of life. People who have gone through a lot, have seen a lot, and are happy to share their stories and perspectives. My name is Maya Muller. Today I'm interviewing Oli, a 24-year-old Italian queer activist who grew up in Rome and lives in London. She's part of a campaign to open London's first community-owned, community-led queer late license venue. Did you find your current purpose or did it find you? I like reading and I like writing and I like talking and explaining things to people and listening to what they have to say and kind of having a conversation about things. I always think like if I had been born in a situation, for example, like, um, I mean, my mom comes from an incredibly working class background where no one ever left their place in which they were born, like the house in which they were born. And she went off and traveled the world and she does stuff with film, right? But she's an architect and she's like that kind of, which is a very creative, but it's also like a profession. And it's also something that there is like an intellectual kind of yeah. labor that goes into it. I don't know. like, and, and so she's an example of someone who clearly went and looked for it and like went out and found her purpose. Yeah. And like, it wasn't, it was so starkly, different from what she was given that it's it's obvious that she went and looked for it I don't know if I were had been born in that same context if I would have gone out and found my vocation like I feel like I have now because I mean I can't I don't know like I think you need to have an element of like yeah only in situations where you're really forced to like that this desire and this like thing to find the purpose comes out and I've never necessarily had that because I've never had the need to have that because I've been really privileged in the sense that I've both in the sense that I was given the means to do what I wanted but also in the sense that like I took like baby steps and directions that I maybe thought were like what I wanted and they ended up really being what I really wanted and I don't think that's always the case and I've seen you know people in my same position with you know, a lot of privilege and a lot of, uh, like, support from their family in terms of pursuing what they wanted, who have taken steps in those directions and and then didn't work out. And then they're left, you know, two years down the line having done something with all the means, but, like, something they don't enjoy doing and something they're not good at. So I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> I think it's... Um, yeah. I think I was lucky in a, in a lot of ways in the sense of, like you're expected to know what you're supposed to do and what you're supposed to be when you're 18, really, because, you know, 17, 18, you're, you go to uni and what you, what you study at uni determines what your job's prospects are going to be, um, determines, like, how you make sense of your life and yourself. And, like, obviously, it's, like, really important years because you're learning from people who are older than you, but also you have the space to explore what you actually like. So... I can totally see how that process can fuck up because, you know, um, I was lucky in the sense that I did something. I was like, ah, maybe I'll study anthropology. I don't even know what it is, but it sounds vague enough for me to maybe enjoy it, no? (laughs) And then I did it and I was like, nah, this is actually really, really for me, you know? And then I did a bit of stuff on gender and sexuality. Like, why not? You know, it's a half module. Why not? Just whatever. And then I'm like, oh, wow, like, that's really, really me, you know? So I think that, that I can't explain that in any other way except being lucky and maybe maybe obviously an element of like knowing yourself and feeling like your gut instinct is a good indicator as to what you like doing and I mean so you speak Italian 
yeah. Spanish. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit of Spanish and English. Yes. Uh, how? In what? What ways do your does your personality shine oh through in each language? Oh my God, that's a very good question. <laughs> I was born in Italy and I lived in Italy until I was eight, seventeen, and then I left. So all my teenage anxiety, all my all my teenage rage <laughs> is in Italian, <laughs> and my like work you know work and professional and like serious self is English in some ways Italian allows me is a language through which I can be passionate and angry and teenager and moody and like a bit intense and a bit immature and English is kind of the language that I know as more of a balanced human being um, but also because I guess I was never asked to theorize or to think about my gender and sexuality in Italian no one ever asked me to describe myself in Italian but now you would be us and now I mean I guess now more in the sense of like now I do know I, I am more I am more aware in my mind about these things that I speak about but I struggle immensely to speak about these things in really? Italian. Like, That's interesting. I, firstly, I don't think I could ever have a relationship with a woman in Italian. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding, but, like, I don't even know how to speak, like, the language of, like, love and sex in Italian. Like, I just... No one ever asked me, and I never had a relationship like that. Like, that was that felt true to me in Italian. Um, I really struggle to explain what my work is because it is about gender and sexuality and queer theory. Like, how do you say queer in Italian? I'm not sure. I think you say queer, you know? So even going back to my family and people asking me, like, what do you study? What are you doing? I really struggle with that. Like, I don't have, like, a word to, or words to explain that. Usually people say, you know, like, your first, your mother tongue Mm-mm. is the is the language of the heart. Yeah. It's what you can say when you're lying next to someone you love. And that's, mm-hmm. but you're saying it's the opposite. Actually, you yeah. found a language through which you could communicate. Yeah, I mean, it's. I guess. I mean, firstly, I think I went. I went to an English school, at, um, and so a lot of my early relationships with uh, like both um, men and women were um, in English. <laughs> it's. It pains me that I don't have like the language to make simple uh, the work I'm doing or to explain my sexuality because yeah, because I don't really know how to. Yeah. How is your body related to your feelings and perceptions of life? I like this question because I feel like, well, I think it's because I spend a lot of my time thinking about gender and sexuality, and to me, and that's like what I do for my work, but it's things that I've always been really interested in, like since I was like a kid. I think I would think of myself as like a remarkably like very sexual and gendered kid. I don't know what that means exactly, but like I remember being aware that I had a sexuality and that I had like gender, a gender since I was very young. Um, maybe that's because I didn't necessarily fit into like the gendered stereotypes, but it also like, it felt good for me to like not fit into the gender stereotypes. So I always like, it wasn't necessarily like a violent experience of gender and as it is most of the time for those who don't really fit a gender and etc. But I think I, I always found like a lot of power in that. So the body I think is like a massively important part of like how I relate to life. Um, I've been quite a sporty person and like I really, that brings me joy and energy and like, yeah, it's like how I relate to life and how I cope with life, I guess, most of the time. Um, But also I like, yeah, I get a lot of pleasure and a lot of sort of 
insights into how the world works by, I guess, playing with my gender. In some ways, I feel like I I'm, I can be both like very highly femme or feminine or whatever, but also like that there's like an element of butch and like masculinity and like it's just quite interesting to see how those manifest themselves in life and it's questions that I try and answer in my PhD and it's interesting you said um, that what you do which is write about gender and sexuality is what you apply and um, walk us through how how does that work from theory to real life is it something you're consciously aware of or is it a natural thing for you Mm, I think that what I've figured out like doing my research but also like in general is that like our bodies and our embodied experiences of gender and sexuality like always always outstrip like the theory and the mind and the mind mental work that we have to understand these and so there's something like I think incredibly anarchic about gender and sexuality as they're lived as embodied things that if you if you put these two things in conversation with each other the theory can definitely help you make sense of like even historically speaking like why we do things we take for granted as like just normal and natural today in the way we live our embodied lives and the kind of rituals we have for our bodies yeah. and the kind of rituals we have for gender as like you know the you know you you're born and then you become a woman or you become a a, a man depending on you know like you go into school and you're increasingly you get to a stage where like uh, gender defines who plays sports with whom and that wasn't a, a thing when you were four you know what I mean yeah. so theory is good for p putting that into a perspective that is historical that is political that is economic and social like social and so it can help you inform and like kind of chip away at this idea that things are natural and just the way they are but at the same time the empirical the like lived embodied experiences of these things speak back at the theory and tell you actually all these categories that you're using to make sense of history and, and politics and society etc are also very clean and tidy and neat and like gender and sexuality as embodied lived things are very complicated and very don't like being categorized don't like being read in a theoretical kind of sense yes. so I like to think that I try and work like at the tension between these two things yeah do you have a source of inspiration maybe a role model or a mentor other than your like family or parents I have a problem with the word role model as we were saying before I think it like it implies some form of like idolation or some form of like yeah like it can be a form of violence to put someone on a pedestal and it's like what if who you're putting on a pedestal is someone who doesn't like being in a on a pedestal and that that is precisely what inspires you and what you like about them you know like that's what I look up in these people is that they they don't take themselves seriously and they make very complicated theoretical they take the piss out of very complicated theoretical ideas and bring them back to life and have sort of take take students thoughts and views more seriously than they would Judith Butler's you know and that's like that's great and yeah and they would probably hate 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 if I said I looked up to them and that's also why I like them so then I'm actually really curious to hear how you would define success I guess we often put pit success in a binary with failure no um Good point. and it's 
I don't know. It's like I find it. I always lacked in some way. Like I'm very self-aware, but I I never like had the quality to like assess things whether they're going well or good or badly. I think it's because I don't know. I think it's because I I have in some ways a very very relativist mind, and I'm like, well, it's success compared to that, but like it's not. It's a failure compared to that. Like in the sense of my problem with the binary success and failure is that it assumes it's like in a linear kind of spectrum where actually it's like, okay, like LGBT rights, success or failure, like in terms of social justice. Ah, success because, you know, if you get fired, like from an employer, like you can sue them. So I guess that's relatively successful. And I guess we can say we've been relatively successful in terms of like getting closer and closer to what we think is a sense of social justice. And if we measure it in a very linear sense, we could say it's a success. If you measure it in a relativist sense, you could say that actually like these rights are being used to wash over other forms of violence that we can therefore not see by conceptualizing this as a linear path. You could say that like LGBT rights have become super massively implicated in the reproduction of like empire and like hyper securitization of the state and all these kind of things that actually and that there's something inherently like violent that comes from visibility and that you know what I mean so relative it's all relative it's like if you assess them in those senses and it's kind of always both you know what I mean it's never like oh actually no it's not success it's a failure it's like it's both at the same time and like what is success is like success is I guess depending depending on what you're what you're looking at what your goal was something can be successful in terms of that but like a failure in terms of everything else so I don't know but also, if you're interested in this question, this is where I'm going to be a massive nerd, but one of my, the most amazing books I've ever read was uh, J- uh, Jack Halberstam's. They wrote a book called The Queer Art of Failure and kind of explores like how queers, like which to them doesn't necessarily mean LGBT people. It means like people who are like queer in relation to a norm uh, of which is which is, you know, a norm of whiteness, a norm of straightness, so rather than straight people, you know. Conform in one way or another. Yeah, in a, in a, yeah, you're in some way. Queer basically just means slanted and wonky. So you're in some ways like at a slanted relationship with what is the linear of society of the world, you know. And they say that yeah, like that queers have always failed like exceptionally well. You know, there's like this figure of the queer as like um, yeah, like a wasted individual in some sense. But there's also like a lot of really amazing work and like utopian shit that comes out of being in a slantwise position with the dominant you know it's like some of the best like intellectual artistic work has come from those failure people <laughs> like um because they are not invested in the successful narratives of like society and therefore they see things differently and therefore they they experience the world in a different way and sometimes it's like yeah, I wouldn't say better or worse, but it's just like opening up ways of living that if you consider yourself a successful person by the standards of society, maybe you don't do or think about. What's interesting about what you just said is that the, the people who I consider to be successful in, in just who they are, mm-hmm. what they have in common is that they just have walked a very unique path. Mm-hmm. And in a world where, I'm, I'm going to get deep again, but in a world mm-hmm. where you know, we are not even a speck of sand dust. Yeah. <laughs> there are billions and billions of galaxies within galaxies. Yes. And our lifetime is is like 79 is the average age yeah. that you yeah. die. And beings have been around for 3.8 billion years. Yeah, so that's then, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> that perception, it just makes you think like, wow. 
So then those people who do walk the unique path, it's a reason to mm-hmm. to live. Yeah, definitely. So on that note, um, do you feel a sense of responsibility for others? And if so, how does this play out? Having been given a lot and having been like being incredibly grateful and recognizing people like just how lucky I have been in terms of like even just figuring out what I like doing and that I mean based on like you could say every single axe of my privilege like my whiteness like my middle classness that I have been given things that other people wouldn't have been given had they worked just as hard if not more than me do you know what I mean so I feel a sense of responsibility in that sense of like not buying into this like idea of success as like your own merit because that's fucking crap I think like that's just not the way can you just define that Um, just I mean this this, like incredibly neoliberal idea that like the individual is the source like if you have some success it's because you've worked it's like the American dream it's like you worked hard enough and you worked well and you did something that no one else did it's like I know I'm maybe questioning this idea of the unique path but not necessarily if we don't necessarily agree that there's one way of doing success do you know what I mean so I feel a sense of responsibility towards others in the sense that rather than my merit or my talent you know what is that it's all relative again um have made made it so that I am in a relatively privileged position and I'm doing what I love and I feel a sense of responsibility to not close off avenues for others to do that by explaining it as like it was me you know you just have to work harder because that's not how the world works so I guess like I feel a sense of responsibility of trying to um, open up doors and like ladders putting up ladders for people who perhaps haven't had them for various reasons I feel a responsibility towards my parents because they are probably like you know they, they did a lot of stuff for me to be here and I guess it's like good or bad but like I do feel very responsible like yeah I think that's in some ways what's kept me like not going off the rails like yeah. going off and getting absolutely drunk and like all the time like some of my friends do <laughs> is that I know that that like isn't my parents wouldn't like that and I feel responsible towards like not injuring myself in terms of like you know cycling with my headphones on because there is a constellation of people around me who have supported me who do love me that so I feel responsibility towards those on people on a microscopic level yeah on a microscopic yeah on a, on, a, on a level of like people people have given you stuff like emotionally and people love you like I feel responsible I feel a responsibility once you've been given that to like honor it and to like not fuck it up yeah basically <laughs> so could you just briefly expand on how you were talking about that unique path and American dream is not the same thing and I just want to make sure that people understand I mean yeah there's there's a way chat like I don't I do I do agree with you in the sense that what makes me take also in some ways is is those people like you said that those people that you think are successful that you're inspired by are particularly people who have taken unique paths mm. and I think there's a way to conceptualize the unique path uh, as actually a radically um, inspiring and utopian way of deciding who a role model is. And there's also a a way of understanding that unique path as like, I was the master of my destiny and I chose this path and I kind of, therefore, like, it's almost like, did you choose the path or did the path choose you? And it's kind of, 
my, my, I think my major thing, issue with like this idea of the unique path is like that it assumes that like agency is this thing that individuals have rather than like it being something that is totally informed by social, cultural, political, economic forces and that therefore you end up leading a unique path but it's not so much that you went out and did it for yourself as the American dream people <laughs> would have it. I think you can salvage the concept of the role model and the unique path if you start questioning like the idea of the individual, the idea of agency, sort of kind of doing that work from within it rather than like just throwing away the concept. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. No worries. My pleasure. Honestly,